Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ian O'Connor wrote the book on Bill Belichick. Ian, how are you? How are you, guys? Thanks very much. We're, we're good. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting. We, we visited on this uh, when the book first released on Bill Belichick, one of the great American coaches. But life has changed, right? Give, give me a perspective as you now retrospectively look at the book as to how it relates to Bill Belichick in the current times. You know, not much is, well, a lot has changed in a year because a lot changed in a week. What's your view on, on Belichick rolling forward from this? Well, I think he's always looked forward, or years ago he was telling people he looked forward to the day where he could try to win a championship with a different quarterback, and not that he didn't understand that Tom Brady was the greatest quarterback of all time, but I think that challenge was one that he thought would reinvigorate him, and I think it will. Now, it's a gamble, of course, because if he spends the rest of his career as head coach of the Patriots going 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and 7-9, and, seven and nine, people are going to ask a lot of questions about how much Brady was uh, a part of that or responsible for those six Super Bowl rings. On the other hand, if Belichick has a lot of success, wins postseason games, maybe wins a Super Bowl with Jared Stidham or somebody else, and Tom Brady doesn't do that in Tampa Bay, the same questions will be asked of Brady. So it's a legacy gamble for both parties. There's no question about it. But listen, this was inevitable, really. Uh, Tom Brady started worrying about his job in 2014. The moment they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, he was concerned about his job. Early in that 2014 season, he told friends he was worried that Belichick would replace him sooner rather than later. And, of course, he went on to win three more Super Bowls after that point. So uh, I do think, though, that this divorce was a few years in the making, and now Belichick and Brady get the chance that deep down they always wanted, and that's a chance to try to win one without the other. Do you think, Ian, that if they could go back in time, does Bill Belichick still maybe have some regret, remorse on how Garoppolo was handled? Would he have preferred that the reverse happened at that time? Well, listen, uh, they did an awful lot of winning after making that decision, and Garoppolo lost the Super Bowl that he uh, reached. So I don't know. Obviously now I don't believe they like Jared Stidham quite as much as they liked Garoppolo, but they do like him. So I would say given the amount of winning they did after that decision, I would say no. He doesn't have a tremendous regret on that front. Uh, I think that what's pretty fascinating here is that this became a, a contract battle between two very, uh, very stubborn people and competitive people. And ultimately, I think Belichick decided, I want Tom Brady back only at my price. Brady had been Belichick out. I think that's really what this comes down to, is that after 20 years of being coached every day in minicamp, training camp, preseason, regular season, and postseason, as if it's Game 7 of the World Series for 20 years, I think it just wore him out. And that's why I believe he chose a coach who's very... I guess you would say user-friendly in Bruce Arians. He's never had that. He even had five years of tough love, unforgiving coaching at Michigan. So it's been 25 consecutive years of being coached that way, and I just think Tom Brady needed a break.
So some of that, uh, Ian, will come back to the conversation of is it fun? You know, in, in New England, there's that question. Winning is fun or is fun fun? And, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of fun associated with the Patriots other than winning. Is, is part of the conversation strictly there? Yeah, I think so. And that's been brought up before, certainly, by a lot of people. And, I, you know, listen, a lot, of, a lot of people are trying to figure out how much blame Bill Belichick deserves uh, as far as running a, a no-fun environment and, and running Tom Brady out of there, I think not enough time has been, sent, been spent crediting Bill Belichick for persuading maybe the greatest player of all time to play for him for 20 years. Uh, a lot of coaches, that, that's not easy to do to convince an, an elite athlete to do that, to stay with you for 20 years, and also to develop the 199th player picked in the draft into the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for those two things. Now when it comes to the blame, the culture there, the culture is the reason why they have six rings. It's also the reason why Tom Brady had to leave after two decades. I just think going to Bruce Arians, who's a much lighter touch, he's like a stand-up comic compared to Belichick. Jason Light, who's a former Patriot scout and executive, is the opposite of Belichick, a very personable guy as the GM of the Buccaneers. I think when you look at the environment that Brady is walking into, it is different. And I think he needed different, and that's the reason why he's no longer in Foxborough. Talking with Ian O'Connor, joining us on the Rich Eisen Show. I, I, I know you don't have the inner working knowledge of what goes on in New Orleans, but it makes that view of Sean Payton and Drew Brees rather extraordinary, doesn't it? We, we saw Favre end up playing his way out in Green Bay. Montana couldn't, you know, they didn't stay together, Montana and Walsh in San Francisco. Uh, we've seen most of the quarterbacks at some point they end up leaving that market, as we now see with Brady. It makes it, uh, it kind of extraordinary what's going on in New Orleans with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. No question about it. It is a, an incredible partnership. Now, again, uh, they have one ring compared to six right. in New England. <laughs> yes. So the question you, you ask is, are you uh, more interested in, in winning a championship or two and having this terrific relationship with your head coach if you're Drew Brees, or would you rather win six rings and never once go to dinner with your head coach, which is basically what Brady and Belichick did or didn't do in Foxborough. I don't believe they ever once went out to dinner over 20 years. Now, I don't think that's going to happen under Bruce Arians. They might play golf, maybe have a drink or two, and squeeze in nine holes after practice. And with Belichick, that's not part of the program. But do you want to win, and how badly do you want to win? And Tom Brady badly wanted to run up his ring total for those 20 years, and uh, that's why people now look at him as the greatest ever. And without that culture, without that approach by Belichick, he would not have those championships, and he would not be considered the best ever. So there's a trade-off there, and after, or at age 42, going on 43 later in the summer, Brady needed a break, he needed a change, and so that's why he did what he did. You know, you mentioned uh, what might happen if Bill Belichick and the Patriots start to lose, but how much of an impact do you think a string of poor seasons could have on Belichick's legacy, considering he already has, of course, the six Super Bowl wins? He does. He also went 11-5 and with Matt Castle in 2008, the year that Brady was hurt. And he did have that one good year in Cleveland, only the one good year out of five, where he goes 11-5 and in 1994 and beats Parcells and the Patriots in the playoffs. So he, he does have a couple of moments, a couple of seasons without Brady that were, that were good, they're very good. Brady really doesn't have that. He, he had an uneven career at Michigan, and, of course, Belichick has been his only coach in the NFL. So I guess in some respects you could argue that Brady has a little bit more to lose here than Belichick. 
Uh, I also think it's, it's easier to coach as you age than it is to play. And I think Belichick's going to coach another seven, eight years. I think I could see him retiring at age 75. Uh, I had a conversation with Tom Brady a few years ago where he's, we were talking about him playing until age 46, 47, 48. So I think he's got some years left as well. But if you had to say one had more to lose than the other, I would probably lean toward Brady, but it's not by much. Ian, when you first began this process of putting this book together, how daunting was the concept knowing that you wouldn't get cooperation from the person you're writing about? Well, it's daunting. It also was the challenge was exhilarating in a sense. I realized this was going to be the hardest thing I'd ever done professionally, and I wanted to embrace that. I was basically standing at the bottom of Mount Everest looking up at the top, and (laughs) it was a long haul, and I rather famously wrote a column 20 years ago saying that hiring Belichick in New England was a bad idea. So I'm pretty sure Bill's aware of that. And, and also, if he doesn't have control of the editorial product, he's not going to lend his credibility to it. So I understood that. I, he also blocked some people from talking to me, or at least attempted to. And so there were, there were all those challenges in place. And what I tried to do was I interviewed 360 people for the book and tried to pitch around it and hopefully pulled off my, my goal, which was to write the defining account of a great American life, and I guess I will leave it up to the readers to decide if I, if I did. Can you, can you take us through, our listeners through, maybe what was the most significant individual challenge of that? Were there blocks there that you, you, were, that you had to kind of rethink what you were going to do from a block? I would say it was, it was everything uh, during the Patriot years, because he had obviously built that Kremlin-like empire in Foxborough, and to get behind those walls and find out information was the biggest challenge of the book. The storytelling about his life growing up, high school, prep school, college, I found a great amount of cooperation from his former teammates, classmates, coaches, telling a lot of quite interesting and funny stories about him and his life. But I would say, and even the Cleveland years, there are a lot of people there who feel like they have no allegiance to Belichick, don't really like him, and and have no uh, problem verbalizing that and did so in my book. There are some who did like him and, and did re- see some, some greatness in him in his years in Cleveland. But it's uh, probably the most secretive empire ever built in American sports. So trying, again, to get behind those walls and find out what made that machine work uh, beyond the personality or lack thereof of the head coach, that was probably the greatest challenge. Ian, uh, as we continue on this conversation, you know, Belichick gave off such a different persona, I'm sure you saw it, as he was with Rich Eisen on the NFL Network's Greatests, right, for 100 years. That personality it is so opposite, polar opposite, to what we get to see. I mean, that's done on purpose, but there is a personality that's there that we just don't otherwise get access to, right? No question about it. You'll see it with Rich Eisen. You'll see it with Chris Berman. You'll see it with select people in the media and, and inside the football community that he really likes and respects. And away from the facility, away from the news conference podium, you'll also see it. His friends, some of them told me they wish he would show that side of himself publicly more just to let America know that he's not this ogre, uh, this disagreeable figure. Now, when he's at work, his only goal every day, he believes, hey, we're in the, we're in the business of gathering information. We're not in the business of sharing it. Therefore, when I'm at the news conference podium being beamed across the country, my only goal is to give out as little information as possible, and that's why he is the way he is. He's playing a character at that podium. Away from the stadium, away from the complex with his friends, they describe him as generous, sometimes funny, gracious, very loyal, very loyal guy to his friends, 
going all the way back to high school and, and growing up in Annapolis and so forth. So uh, it was interesting. There were people who initially didn't want to tell me some stories about his youth and, and didn't want to humanize him. And then I said, well, listen, if you guys aren't willing to tell these stories, they're never going to get told. And I convinced some of them to do that. But they, they do wish some of his friends and associates and colleagues that he would just show that side, open that window a little bit more. But he just doesn't see the need to do that when he's at the office. Yeah, okay, so you wrote the book. So is it his background that makes him so, like you said, stubborn at times, why he doesn't want to show that other side? Or, or is it just, like you said, simply that it's football and you're going to get what you get as far as the football information? Well, I think I know for a fact that there are head coaches around the NFL, a number of them, that he believes talk too much during the week and give out information. And if he's about to play them that Sunday, Bill believes he has learned a lot of information just by reading their quotes and their press conferences during the week. So he absolutely, and listen, nobody has ever sought an edge, a competitive edge, more than Bill Belichick. And that goes back to his lacrosse days. Uh, there was a, a story one of his teammates told me that Bill in college at Wesleyan doctored his lacrosse stick, made it illegal to help him catch the ball, and also left a string loose on the net and said, if the referee comes to check your stick, pull this string, tighten the net, and then hand it to him because that will make it legal. So he's, he's been searching for an edge and, and bending oh, and breaking man. the rules. Uh, for years, going back decades. So I, I do believe that he's just that kind of guy. He's never going to give up any information. When you have a conversation with him, he's always going to walk away with more information from that conversation than he gave you. Ian O'Connor joining us on the Rich Eisen Show. A couple of questions before we wrap up here. Uh, what are these days like for you in this industry right now as you kind of view it, pull back for a moment? How do you view what's going on and how is it impacting your world? Oh, God, and it's impacted me personally and uh, in terms of people being sick and that I know. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's been really different having conversations with editors about getting creative and just talking today to my golf editor about Masters Week. Now there isn't going to be a Masters Week, but what kind of content do we want to produce for that week? And, you know, I, I, I heard the arguments for not going forward with NFL free agency, and I, I was going back and forth on whether or not that was appropriate. But I do believe, after talking to a lot of people, that they were glad that happened uh, and the Tom Brady story happened because it was some diversion, even though there was a lot of misery and suffering going on in this country and around the world. I tend to believe that because it didn't involve any gatherings of people, that you could do that by phone and computer, that that might have been a good idea to do NFL free agency. But going forward... Yeah, it's a it's a it's a new world, and we're we're trying to figure it out, and and just hopefully hopefully, we'll at some point in the near future get back to uh, covering and writing about the games people play. Well, I'm then curious about four weeks from this Thursday is what is supposed to be the opening day of the NFL draft, a three day uh, deal. What would your view be on that, and is that in some peril, or should they go ahead? Well, I think, I think as long as the situation in this country doesn't get dramatically worse, just like I felt or at least concluded about NFL free agency, I think you can go ahead with that just as long as there's no gathering of any people. I think you can do that, again, by phone and computer. And, and so if, if they can do that and are willing to do that, then I would say as long as this situation with the virus doesn't get completely out of control, I guess it already is, but if it doesn't get dramatically worse, I would go ahead with it. You know, we, we talk about the NBA real quick, too, and MLB pushing back its season, but we don't really think about We talk about everything going on in the NFL. There's still, you know, free agency, the draft. Do you think the start of the NFL season at some level could be in jeopardy, and, and what could that look like next year if it gets pushed back? 
I don't think you can take anything off the table at this point. We've just, in our lifetime, I'm 55 years old. I've never seen anything like this. So I, I would never, I, I don't even know if you can play the Masters in October. So, yeah, is it possible they're going to play a 10-game NFL season and then just start the playoffs? Sure. I also think there's a chance you're going to have a situation with, where, where the NBA comes back in maybe July and goes straight to the playoffs. Just no more regular season games. Just take the top 16 or top 8 in each conference and start the playoffs and maybe do it without fans and then see each round as you go forward, can you add fans to the experience in the conference finals or the NBA finals? So. I think it certainly is possible that the NFL season doesn't start on time simply because we're in such an unknown situation that we've never experienced that you can't predict anything. Ian, last thought with, uh, with you. Thanks for spending a little extra time with us these sure. are different times. Uh, so, so we're going a little longer form on our conversations. Ian O'Connor joining us on the Rich Eisen Show. Do you, now, I'm sure that there are discussions, but is there any, are there any legs to the idea of made-for-TV events you know, the golf world lends itself perfectly to this, maybe tennis, where you could do some things that allow uh, this great diversion in, in our landscape, which is sports and entertainment, to, to allow for made-for-TV, non-attended events. I'm sure the networks are digging into it. Does it seem feasible? I, I, yes. In fact, I had this conversation with someone yesterday that if you wanted to have a match, let's say we talk about individual sports like uh, tennis, golf, boxing, let's say golf, you had a match between Rory McIlroy and Brooks Koepka. Both The players would obviously have to be tested. The caddies would have to be tested. You could do it on an empty golf course. And as long as everyone there, and you could have maybe a dozen people on site all tested and certainly practicing social distancing, including the player from the caddy, I, I think you could do something like that. I think you could have, theoretically, a boxing match where you test the the, the referee, the judges, the boxers, and the trainers, and, and you, you practice somehow social distancing. And I, I think it's feasible. And obviously, as long as this sports drought goes on, the forced exodus of these leagues and games, I think that you'll have commissioners and TV executives having those discussions. Ian, again, we say thank you. We appreciate your, your time, extra time with us. Uh, the book, it, when it came out, is outstanding. I think it's uh, definitely worth a reread now, considering the changing landscape, and, uh, and we appreciate the extended visit. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Ian O'Connor, be safe. Uh, Ian O'Connor joining us on the Rich Eisen Show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.